With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue this, this is the pod, for, the you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Blood, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Remembering a New York icon, this is EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer, Orange and Blue Bloods coming at you. A lot to get to on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. We will be talking about the life and legacy of Nick's great Willis Reed, who passed away earlier this week. Tommy and I recorded the last episode earlier this week, uh, right before the announcement of, of Reed's passing. So we'll make sure we we definitely give our flowers and honor the, the, the GOAT, uh, or at least one of the GOATs when it comes to Nick basketball and Willis Reed. So we'll talk about um, his passing and, and what he means to not just the Nick community, but to the NBA community as a whole and the city as a whole. And then we'll talk about these Knicks currently. They had a really rough stretch down in Florida, dropped two games, lost uh, a tough one in Orlando on Thursday, a game that Tommy and I both mentioned was not a game they could sleep on. They came out sleepwalking and it ended up uh, hurting them in the end. So Knicks dropped two in a row, still in the fifth spot, but things getting a little more dicey as we head towards the end of this regular season. And we'll preview uh, Monday's matchup against the Houston Rockets, a Rockets team that is on a three-game losing streak but has been playing a lot much better ball of late as they close their season so plenty to get to on this episode tommy joins me as always tommy how you feeling uh better than julius randall probably uh, uh, i'll say that yeah. <laughs> which is a pretty yeah. low bar based on uh his his uh, on-court attitude these last couple days um and uh i think that's part and parcel of the reason why they have struggled we'll obviously talk about the defense um, but uh, Julius Randle's on-court demeanor uh, has, uh, you know, we've seen a uh, little revision uh, of the old Randle, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the version of Randle that essentially torpedoed the Knicks season last year. Um, let's hope that the uh, Knicks can get back on track soon. Yeah, exactly. I think that there are a lot of, I have some theories as to what's going on with Randle. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that as well, because what we saw, what we've seen really throughout the entire, not this entire three and lose because they had 57 one of these games, but in the last two games, particularly two games, Florida, not good, not good at all. And definitely alarming if you're a Nick fan who watched what the team went through last season uh, with Julius Randle uh, leading the way. So planning to get to on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey WFA and original. You can get these episodes wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you get the auto download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes every time we drop about three times a week so this will be our last episode this week before we come back next week also be sure to check us out on youtube we're in two spots catch us on the odyssey sports channel catch us on wfan 
channel so you can get not just segments from this episode but the full episode the video version on our youtube channel make sure you check it out odyssey sports and wfans let's begin with uh the 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 04 that happened in florida so knicks come up empty on their two-game swing in the sunshine state the knicks lost to miami wednesday night then followed that up with a 111 106 loss to the magic on thursday the knicks suffered their loss uh without jalen brunson playing he was out on thursday he suffered a sprained right hand so he's not playing that game against the magic knicks go down they were uh, down by as much as 19 points in the first half uh, Knicks would head into the fourth quarter tied after making a nice little run in the third quarter but orlando would drain seven out of eight back-breaking threes in the final period to put the knicks away quinn grimes continues to play extremely well uh back-to-back game for that big ones he had 25 in this one emmanuel quickly also had 25 in this game Julius Randle had 23 points, 7 for 20 of shooting. He, he was hit for a, tech, a technical foul for the third game in a row in which he got a tech. Uh, this one came right after the end of the first half where he once again had to be restrained by multiple teammates, including IQ. The two men ended up going almost nose to nose as IQ was trying to separate him from the referee. Randle then got upset with IQ and started yelling at him. And then they had to be separated by uh, Johnny Bryan and teammates as they headed into the locker room. So uh, Knicks lose this one. Knicks also seem to lose their composure in this one in Orlando. So I want to start there because we can talk plenty about what went wrong, you know, with the team in terms of the actual on-court play. But I think Julius Randle and, and what we're seeing from him is the lead right now because this is essentially some of the stuff we saw last season, which Tommy mentioned, essentially he torpedoed the season. Um, lack of focus, complain too much to the, to the refs, not understanding when he has to stop complaining to the refs and then uh, being totally willing to essentially square up against his teammates, square up against his coaches, anybody who tries to get in his way. And um, and this was a, a, a really ugly scene you saw at the end of that first half. Is it time to be concerned, Tommy, about Julius Randle and his emotional uh, position and his temper at this point in the season? Yeah, I, I think it's fair to to be concerned. Um, as you mentioned, three games in a row with with the technical, um, you know, and I was thinking even dating back to that um, breakdown at the end of the third quarter in the in the Clippers game in Los Angeles. That's yeah. that was Friday night, Saturday night when they Saturday night, back. yeah in LA, um, you know, that the Knicks were leading, you know, with like 0.3 seconds left in the quarter, Randall gets hit with the tech, um, has an outburst, explodes on the sideline, pushing and shoving um, teammates and coaches um, to, to get at the referee, um, you know, and, and, you know, all throughout the, the, the winning streak. And we've, we've seen a bunch of them um, we've talked about for basically since early December um, through early March, uh, through mid March, the Knicks were one of the best teams in the league. Um, you know, record would indicate that net rating would indicate that offensive efficiency would indicate that. And the kind of the feeling around the team was, you know, to use Brunson's catchphrase, the vibes were immaculate. Um, That kind of smiling and jovialness and happiness and joking and kidding around with teammates and goofing around in press conferences. And just it just seemed light and happy and airy. Um, And it's the complete opposite this week. So, you know, whether it's the age old question, does does winning, you know, produce happiness or does happiness result from winning um, or is it the other way around? Um, We've seen that this week that there is a kind of dark cloud hanging over the team, you know, and it's not just the three losses. um, It's 
Randall's increasing, you know, uh, basically uh, kind of walking on that edge because you understand he's a competitive athlete. Um, it's one of the reasons why he's a great basketball player because he plays with, with such a hard edge. Um, but it's, it's obviously now tipping toward the side where it's counterproductive. Um, and that's yelling at teammates. Listen, you can go after refs from time to time. Every great player has, every great player will. Um, certainly no one's going to get too overly concerned about that. But when it happens consistently, that's a concern. When you start getting into it with teammates, when they're just trying to do what's best for the team and for the individual, which is extradite him from the situation, separate him from the uh, from the dispute with the referee. You made your point. You got your tech. Now I'm going to usher you away. Um, you shouldn't have got a tech in the first place, but now I'm going to usher you yeah. away so you don't get two techs and we can win a game that's an important game that can, you know, will help us make the playoffs, et cetera. Um, so for him to, to, to react the way he did towards uh, quickly um, was, was inexcusable. And now we have the situation where we've been time and time again, dating back to the start of last season, basically since Tibbs' tenure, where the head coach refuses to hold the star player accountable. So in a way, we shouldn't be shocked that that Tibbs did not come out and call out Randall for his behavior. Didn't bench him at any point in the second half. Um, you know, didn't say that you know uh, you know this is unacceptable. We can't have this. This will not continue, etc. Soft shoed around it. Basically said, listen, guys, get emotional. Um, the thing that I the, the thing what I thought about um, was his, uh, and I looked back and I, and I looked at the actual quotes themselves, December 11th in a victory over the Kings at the garden. It was a Sunday. Uh, Randall gets ejected. Uh, third quarter gets two quick texts. Um, uh, went after referee Leon Woods. Um, it's similar. He's yep. barreling, you know, through teammates, gets two quick texts, gets a first one, still complains, gets yep, a second. I remember that. After the game, and this is Tibbs' quote. Let me let me bring it up so I so I so I have it precisely. Um, this is Tibbs' quote. I get the frustration. It was a physical game, and he got hammered on the play. Thibodeau said Sunday evening. Um, he continued when, but when a guy gets frustrated, we got to make sure we help. Thibodeau said when he got his first tech, we have to do a better job of helping him walk away as a team, staff, all of us. Go grab him. It's a dead ball. Um, so for Tibbs to request that and for IQ to do that and for Randall to react the way he did and for and for Thibodeau not to call out that behavior after this game again, um, I'm not surprised by it, unfortunately, um, but I still think it needs to be stated um, that it's that's, that's not a good sign. Um, and it's, it's I think it's counterproductive. Um, the quote that Tibbs used last night um, when he kind of downplayed it was, again, um, you know, ba basically calling it, you know, it's an emotional game. Um, you know, guys get frustrated, et cetera. Um, and he said, let me get the quote here. Um, called it idi idiosyncrasies. Um, there's emotion. Here's the quote. There's emotion involved. So you want to get the emotion out. This is what he was talking about. Um the Knicks locker room was closed for 40 minutes after the game. And Randall, by the way, Randall did not make himself available to the media, which is another. Of course. Which is of another, course. That was an issue last year. Um, Tibbs quote, um, there's emotion involved, so you want to get the emotion out of it, Thibodeau said. And then sometimes when you talk, it clears the air, so that's good. You allow for idiosyncrasies as long as it doesn't get in the way of winning. Nothing get in the way of winning. The team always has to come first, and so everyone's responsible for that. The issue is Randall's idiosyncrasies are getting in the way of winning. They got yeah. in the way of winning last year, and you don't want to get them in the way of winning this year because the Knicks have a chance to do something special. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'll tell you what. This is what I love about this podcast is this is not a hot take kind of show. That's not the show me and Tommy have ever wanted to do. Um, and and we 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 come here level-headed and we we come here and we try to give our analysis as best we can. Um, without trying to make waves or anything like that, or just cause a disturbance. But what I saw in that game made, and I hope I'm wrong, I really do. But what I saw in the game and what I saw in the post game, it made me feel like the Knicks will never win anything of value with Tom Thibodeau and Julius Randle as two of their three leaders, because there is no leadership when it comes to these men, at least not consistent leadership when it comes to Julius. And I understand he's not getting calls that he probably should be getting. He's an extremely physical player, and he watches other star players, players that, quite frankly, he's playing on their level, um, get calls that he doesn't regularly get. Sometimes he gets them, but a lot of games he doesn't. It is entirely frustrating. That is fine. But the problem is, in some ways, I almost think he thinks he's so good that he's like Luka Doncic, where like, hey, like Luca, they let him just go after the rest however they want. It doesn't matter how how often he goes after them, any text he gets. It doesn't matter because any moment he can get 60, 10, and 10. So they say, hey, you're gonna just let that go and we'll talk to him about it. But then there's really nothing else you could do. True. Randall is a good player, but he's not Luca Doncic. He's not some of these up in the Kevin Durant. He's not one of these upper echelon guys. And he thinks that he has that carte blanche to say, I can go after the rest like that because I am an all-star. I am going to make another all-NBA team. So, like, yeah, I'm going to get my technical files. I'm going to get my stuff off. And people have got to deal with it. And when and the problem is this is a Knicks team that while they do have a lot of talent, I've talked about how much talent I think they have, they're great because they are a team, that he is a component on a team. He's one of the star players on this team. And the, the to see him go after those rests, and I'm watching this game, and I'm like, Dude, you're going to get teed up. You may get thrown out, like, the way you're going. Just chill. And he gets attacked, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, Knicks, actually, that first half was a disaster. And thanks to Quentin Grimes, thanks to Emmanuel Quickly, they kind of found a way to make it interesting going into halftime. So for him to, once again, kind of take all that away, take all the men away because of a stupid play that he just didn't have to argue the way he did. And then Quickly and Grimes doing what they need to do, which was the correct thing, was to get him away, something that we did not see last season, to their credit and to the whole coaching staff's credit, they've all done a better job of getting in front of Randall when he gets like this. And then for him to go after Randall the way he did, shout out to Emmanuel, excuse me, go after IQ the way he did, shout out to Emmanuel quickly for standing there saying, looking in his face, saying, I'm not going anywhere, get your ass in the locker room. Because that's what he needed to hear at that moment in time. But like to see your leader act like that in a game which you don't have your real leader in Jalen Brunson, and we've seen this now several times when Jalen Brunson doesn't play, Julius Randall goes into these fits and i don't know if it's a mental because he talked about his emotional mental health i don't know if it's a mental or emotional thing where brunson's not out there he feels kind of all the pressure he felt last year that he kind of collapsed under but the clipper game brunson wasn't out there this game brunson wasn't out there sacramento game he was frustrated brunson wasn't out there for a lot of that game there are these games where he has these meltdowns and they typically seem to happen when brunson's not out there so i asked the question julius 
do you only respect Jalen Brunson on this team? Because everybody else tries to talk to you. Everybody else tries to get you in line, and they can't seem to do it. The head coach tries to do it. You don't listen to him. You don't listen to any of your teammates. Jalen Brunson's out there. All of a sudden, you're willing to do all the right things. You want to help your teammates out. You want to be a good soldier. It seems like when he's not there, all of a sudden, you see, okay, now it's time to act up. And that's why when I look at this, I looked at that and say, man, if that, even if that's your second guy you're relying on in a postseason series, that concerns me a lot. And then when I look at Tom Thibodeau, and for him not go out there, especially after losing to that Orlando Magic team, a team that you had to win, you had to beat. Um, you already lost the game to Miami. You couldn't lose three straight. And for you to not re- actually address Julius Randle and how he was acting on, in going to the half, how he played most of that game. Like, Paolo Bancaro was kicking his ass, okay? And that's a rookie. You had an all-NBA player, and a rookie is dominating him the way he was. And you're going to say, well, we have idiosyncrasies, and as uh, long as it doesn't affect winning – he was playing terrible. That was affecting the team losing this game. He was getting technical fouls, throwing off the emotional and kind of well-being of the team with his actions. That was costing the team from winning. These two guys, like, it's just every time I want to buy in, I get this. And it makes me concerned that maybe maybe they will win a round. Maybe they will win two rounds. But will you ever really win big when it comes to winning a championship or getting to that next step with these two guys, this guy you have to rely on? I just I don't believe that today. And that's and again, this is not a hot take show. That's not how I normally feel, but that's how I came in today's episode. Like I saw that. I'm like, you're never gonna win anything if, if these are the guys. If this guy's getting a technical foul at halftime when you're down by 10 against the Orlando Magic, and then gives a no-show in the second half against guarding Paolo Bancaro, and then the coach is like, Oh, well, you know, we just gotta get get on the same page. Like it, it, the lack of 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 urgency, not just from these two guys, but the entire team over the last few games has been annoying because I feel like this is a team that kind of knows they're good. So now they're kind of thinking they can kind of just roll the ball out and play. Like they can get behind 10, 15 points. They can play defense. Sometimes the shot quality they have, you know, possession by possession doesn't matter. It can turn the ball over that 17 turnovers again, back-to-back games where they turn the ball over left and right. Like they're not playing like a team that thinks that knows they're good. And to some degree they are, but the margin for error still isn't that big where they can keep acting they've been acting so terrible terrible night from julius randall terrible night from tom thibodeau and 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 next now in a little rough pass they got to get this right when they play against houston on monday bingo i I think that's a really good point when you talk about the knicks confidence level and just seemingly think ah it's the magic you know we have a slow first quarter we'll get it together and then we'll you know we got a great record we'll take care of it you know the reason the knicks have a good record and the the reason the knicks have been one of the better teams in the league is because they approach every possession like life or death that they you know that they that they play as a team that they understand the knicks have such a small of all the good teams in the league they have the smallest margin of error all the teams in the you know that those top five teams in the east the knicks have by far the the, the least amount of leeway um so that's why a point a game you know on, on each technical matters you know when you, yeah. when, when you the knicks haven't secured anything yet um you know randall's had a two is about to have his second all nba season he has one playoff win to show for it um, you know, if it, ultimately, that's where you want to that, that that's where, you know, you're going to be judged um, is by your success in the postseason. In addition to um, your consistency during the regular season, which we've given credit for. Um, it, it, you're right. When it comes to the postseason, can uh, the IQ and Grimes and Barrett and Brunson feel confident 
That because the only all that's going to happen in the playoffs is the pressure is going to get ratcheted up and exactly. up. And if you win in the first game of the first round, is going to be pressure packed. The fifth game of the first round is going to be more so. The second round, all listen, the, the, it, it doesn't take a lot to figure out that the the the, 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 the the it's only going to get ratcheted up more and more and more as the Knicks continue to advance. Can the Knicks teammates feel confident in their ability of their most talented player to keep his cool when the chips get pushed in the middle of the table? And that's all, you know, that, and that's a question right now. Um, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Um, but, uh, you know, it, but even getting to the playoffs, first you got to get to the playoffs. And the Knicks right. are just a, a game and a half ahead of Miami right now. Um, and, and, and the Heat are playing Brooklyn uh, in uh, on Saturday night. And then we have next Wednesday's game at the Garden, um, Knicks versus Heat, which, you know, could very well. Again, that's the season series is 2-1. Um, if the Knicks lose that game, it'll be 2-2. Knicks will lose the tiebreaker because Atlanta's the next tiebreaker is division, you know, division record. The, uh, the, uh, the Heat are going to be win their division, which means if they beat the Knicks at the Garden, uh, it'll be 2-2, and they'll have the season tiebreaker, which means if mm. the season, if they end with the same record, they'll get the five seed out of the Knicks. So um, yeah. that's why this game in Orlando was so important. That's why this game on Monday um, against the Rockets will be is so important. Fortunately for New York, they have three days off now. Take a deep breath. You know, yeah. do, do, do some yoga, um, relax a little bit. I'm interested to see how the team, how Randall and Tibbs and the team handles um, the, the post-practice, you know, media sessions over the next few days. Um, IQ, to his credit, said the right thing, didn't, you know, didn't make it a bigger deal. Um, lesser people, lesser players would have said, listen, don't get in my face. I'm a grown man, you know, respect me. <laughs> right. maybe, yeah. And maybe that was said in the locker room in private. Um, but uh, at some point in time, Randall's got to figure out, um, you know, what he wants to be remembered by during his time in New York, a great player with attitude and, and, and emotional issues or somebody who helped lead the Knicks to a, a really impressive season and maybe a playoff round or two. Yeah. And, and I don't want to let the rest of the guys off the hook that aren't IQ or Grimes because those guys played really well. IQ was really good in the second half, but um, really not enough from a lot of guys in this game. First of all, the defense defense is falling apart. I mean, we saw Miami, a team that, is terrible from three, light them up from three. We saw Orlando uh, in the fourth quarter make seven threes. Gary Harris let me, going off. Let me give you let me give you some numbers here, EJ. Yeah. Last fourth quarter of the last three games. So that's the Kings lost, the Heat lost, and the Magic lost. Three games this week, three fourth quarters. Knicks opponents, those those three teams are shooting 62% from the floor and 76% from three-point territory in the fourth quarter. 16 of 21. Unacceptable. And these guys, and these are good shots. Like, it's not like yeah. these teams, you know, it's not like they're playing Dame Lillard or Steph Curry. These guys are, you know, breaking the guy off the dribble and pulling from thirty. And you're like, all right, there's nothing you can do about that. Like these teams are just kind of running their offense. Um, they're making some nice wrinkles in their offense. Shout out to uh, uh Ben Ritholtz. He did a really good job of breaking down the, the how the the Timberwolves got so many open looks in that game. Like they're just they're just running their offense. They're just running their sets. And it, I don't know if it's if we're hitting that wall with the fatigue where the Knicks can't run their defense, I feel like the way they play defense kind of allows threes, unfortunately. Like, I think, like, they play so much drop um, and they kind of rely on really effort. Like, to me, like, you know, Tim says all the time, like, it's, it's a system where, like, you know, you can't tell if it's not working if you're not giving maximum effort. I think it's kind of a flawed way to think about defense, but this is how he thinks about how they play this defense. And for the most part, the season Knicks have given maximum effort. That's why they've been uh, – I know we kind of complain about the three ball, but to be honest, like every team complains about defending the three because everybody chooses threes. Knicks defensively, either defensive metrics when it comes to the three-point line, really good. I think that they're like seventh in 
the three point field goal percentage allowed. So um, they've guarded the three pretty well, which made people would surprise some people comparative to the league. But this this last stretch has been in an anomaly for sure. And like you said, it's coming in the fourth quarter, so it does make you wonder if uh, if fatigue is something to do with that. I don't know, but it, the defense right now definitely falling off a, a cliff in the last three games, especially when it comes to guarding three. Um, Barrett was awful on, yep. on Thursday night uh, after playing really well Wednesday. Um, you know, he t- sort of fell apart. Um, uh, five turnovers, uh, three of twelve from the floor. Um, the Knicks needed him, um, especially with Brunson out. That's kind, kind of where you expect RJ to step up as, as he's more comfortable in that second role as opposed to that, that tertiary third option. Um, but he just couldn't get it going. Um, Obi Toppin played terribly uh, Thursday yeah. night. He, he was minus 25 in, in limited minutes off the bench. Um, so, uh, yeah, those those two guys. Uh, um, and IQ didn't even play all that well in the first half, a lot of turnovers. Then he turned it on in the second half. Um, yeah. One really good uh, thing takeaway from the last two days um is grimes uh, first time in his career back-to-back 20-point games um shooting the lights out uh dishing the ball hasn't committed a turnover in the past two games um playing well defensively just everything you could hope for um from grimes we've seen it um and we didn't see it for a couple weeks there so hopefully um he settles into a nice level of consistency because we've seen grimes have great games and then he'll take three field goal attempts, you know, over, over four game stretch. So um, let's hope he can kind of continue on that path going forward. Yeah. Grimes has to find a way and it's on, I'm putting the onus on Jalen Brunson on this, honestly, they got to find a way to get Grimes to play this way. And Brunson's out there. Cause remember the last big game he had, I mean, he played great the last game too, but the other big game he had of late was in the Sacramento game. And again, Jalen Brunson went out <laughs> in that game. Uh, there, there have been a lot of several games this year when Brunson's not out there, Grimes gets more shots, he gets more aggressive, and then he puts up these performances. Um, we know Brunson is a great floor general, but he's more of a score for his yeah. first guard. Yeah. I, he's got to find a way to get Grimes involved, get him shots. Because when he gets shots, he they, you tend to get your fruit of your labor with him. Like He, he tends to produce. You know, um, He's always going to play defense. He's always going to play hard. But in order for him to really kind of maximize his value when he's out there, he has to be able to get some looks and knock down shot opportunity. It can't be you know two or three attempts. You know, a shooter isn't really going to be able to, especially because I don't know if the defense is necessarily respecting Grimes, like a Steve Novak or like even like a Duncan Robinson type, where they're like they're like face guarding him, so therefore him just be on the court creates gravity. I think that they respect him as a shooter, but I think they're kind of guarding him more like they guard most other three and D kind of guys. So if that's the case, you got to actually get him involved in order for that value to be uh, affected or felt in the offense. Otherwise, he's just standing out there. So uh, I think when Grimes gets back in the lineup, excuse me, Grimes gets back in the lineup, they got to keep uh, getting Grimes ball, keep getting him uh, chances to be aggressive. And the other value of Grimes' game is unlike a Duncan Robinson or, or some of these other strictly Novak spot-up shooters, yes. is he can put the ball on the floor, get into the heart of the defense, exactly. and create opportunities for himself and or his teammates. Um, so that's another reason why, you know, it's not like it's a black hole or, you know, you're just looking to tally up assists. Like, you put pressure on the defense um, in, in many different ways. So it, it really would benefit. The, the Knicks are just a better team when they're more balanced offensively. We saw Randall scored 57, they lost. Um, yeah. We've seen some of these other, you know, high-scoring games 
games. Um, Knicks are at their best when, um, you know, RJ is taking 12 shots, 14 shots and, and hitting half of them. Um, you know, uh, Randall, to his credit, is passing the ball, and he's done that uh, even, even yeah. on that he's struggling offensively. Um, but you're right. The Knicks and Tibbs and Randall and Brunson all need to make a concerted effort um, to keep Grimes involved offensively um, because, one, he deserves it because of the work he puts on the defensive end. Same with Mitch Robinson. Also, shout out to Mitch Robb. Um, looked like he, he was clearly less than 100% last yeah, night. Yeah, he battled He battled through that. He battled. He was dragging his leg around a little bit. Um, but still, you know, four block shots, plenty of rebounds. Hardenstein was good defensively as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, you just need to, to – uh, but, but back to the Grimes point. Um, it just it, – it makes all the sense in the world, um, you know, because especially over seven-game series, um, they're going to wall off those Jalen Brunson drives. They're going to, you know, run two guys at, at, at Randall when he gets hot. By keeping Grimes involved throughout the game, um, it's not like you, you have to rely on him to hit that one clutch three-pointer uh, in the fourth quarter. If he's, got, if he's in more of a flow, it's more likely to go in. Yeah, exactly. So – Grimes, really solid game. Also, very happy to see him take attacking the basket, looking to score, not just pass. I think that yep. now you're seeing the best of both worlds. He has 25 points, and he still has six assists. There was a time there where he was driving, looking to pass, and he started getting turnovers. He had no turnovers last night, so a, a great game from him. Uh, we mentioned IQ and how he played in the second half, but overall, uh, a terrible loss for the Knicks, and they now um, head into what I think may be a must-win. By the last time of that here coming up, so uh, Knicks will look to get back on track on Monday when they take on the Houston Rockets at the Garden. The Rockets have the worst record in the Western Conference and are on a three-game losing streak, but have played much better of late. In all three losses, they've been very competitive. Um, they were on a three-game winning streak before the, they they lost some of these games. So um, Rockets playing a lot better than they have most of the season, clearly. Uh, I think they only with 19 wins on the season. Knicks and Rockets last played on New Year's Eve. Knicks won that one 108 88 so i mentioned at the top uh i think that this is a must-win game i think we look at the schedule um there are not many easy games the next two or three games we have here and they're on a three-game losing streak and the rocks are a team that while playing much better this is a team that you feel like you're a playoff team a team that with some playoff aspirations to make a run this is a team you got to put away so do you feel like this is a must-win game for the knicks here yeah, um, it, it's it's a really important game. Listen, um, they, this is obviously the only game they're going to play ahead of that Miami. If you go into that Miami game, loser four in a row, um, that's then you're putting yourself in a really dangerous situation for, for, for yeah. that Miami game. Um, the one thing that is kind of working in the Knicks' favor is the net struggles um, greatly increase the likelihood that even if they fall out of five, they'll stay in six, um, yeah. which is kind of the, the must, you know, that, that's really, if they fall to fall in seven would be a disaster um, to drop from five to six would just be a disappointment. I'd say, you know, something along those lines. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays out, but yeah, make no mistake. Um, Rockets 18 and 55. Um, you know, this is a game you're home. You have three days of rest advantage. Um, you know, the, the, this is the, the, uh, the Rockets are actually play at Memphis Friday at Cleveland Sunday, and then at Monday, uh, the second night of a back-to-back, um, you know, this is a game that Nick should, should not just win, but win comfortably, you know, get Randall some rest, get Brunson some rest, et cetera, if he plays. Um, yeah. so we'll see. That's, that's the other thing to note. Um, Steve Popper of Newsday noted, 
um, that the, you know, Tibbs didn't give him much in, information regarding scans or MRIs, et cetera, on, on Brunson's hand, but he was seen with a, um, a hard plastic um, coat of uh, shield or, you know, one of those type of uh, wraps yeah. um, on his hand. So that's a bit of a concern. We'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, him getting some rest is not the worst thing in the world, um, but um, obviously you want him, you need him to be healthy going forward because we saw, um, the Knicks have struggled defensively with teams attacking Brunson, which is something we talked about a little bit about earlier this week. But then on the flip side, without Brunson on the floor, the offense was terribly stagnant, um, yeah. especially in the first half. So you, you need him back. Yeah, definitely need him back. Um, one thing I will say, about him, I know he's missed some games, so there's been some availability issues of late. But, I mean, the guy, I mean, he, he finishes games. You don't think he's wrong with him. I mean, next day he's, oh, he, he played with a bad foot or now he – I learned he played with a bad hand against against the Heat. Apparently, I had no idea he was even injured when I saw him on, show up on the injury list. I was surprised, and I heard he was out. I kind of thought, all right, maybe this is a rest kind of deal. Um, though it didn't make sense because it's like you have three days off, so why you know, and this kind of have to win this game. So why would you rest him? So now hearing he had a cast on, it's like, all right, yeah, he he really was banged up. So the guy's a warrior. We know he puts his body on the line. So that's going to be one of the things I look at. You know, off rip is is, is he ready to go by Monday? I would anticipate that's the case. Uh, you know, a sprained hand. I, I, funny, I told my girlfriend that he had a sprained hand, and she was like, "I didn't know you could sprain your hand. I didn't know that either." But, uh, but this is apparently what he's dealing with. Uh, so concerning, but you know, as long as there's no breaks, no torn ligaments or anything like that, you feel like, and maybe there are, we don't know about it. But as far as we know, that's not the case. So you feel okay. He he should be back, ready to go in a week or so. Maybe uh, just rock this game. He'll be he'll be back, ready to go. I, I do feel like when it comes to uh how the Knicks turn it around. I think that in some ways this game actually provides maybe some, I don't want to say, I don't want to call it like a scrimmage. This is an NBA team. But I think some of the things the Rockets can do that have been hurting the Knicks, I think will actually help them in this game. Like, you know, they do have a stress big in uh, in their rookie, Jabari Smith, who's actually starting to play, to play a lot better. Um, they have um, guards that can get into the paint. Like, I kind of feel like this is a game that the Knicks can kind of work on the things that they've been struggling right now. They're not containing the ball. They're not getting out to shooters. So if you're playing as a team that, you know, maybe doesn't provide, now there are NBA teams that are a live team, but a team that maybe doesn't provide as much danger for you losing while also trying to figure out, hey, what's going on defense? Why are things breaking down? This feels like maybe the right team to get that reps against. You know, some teams you play against, they don't have maybe the personnel the Rockets have that that would allow them to do that. But but um, Nick's got to get this one. Like, as you mentioned, you got the Heat and the Cavs coming up here. The standings starting to shrink. The Knicks had a really great opportunity to kind of at least bury the, the Nets in this whole situation. You know, during the Nets have lost five straight. The Knicks just went two of these games. That's two games up on the Nets. And now you're kind of not even worried about them. Unable to do that. So now here we are. Yeah, the things are getting a lot tighter now. You know, only a game and a half in that whole uh, excuse me, two and a half games or two games total in in the uh, from the seventh spot, which is what you're trying or trying to avoid. So Knicks got to get this one. Any any particular matchups or, or things about this game in terms of the Rockets matchup that you're looking forward to on Monday? Uh, yeah, I think the Grimes versus Jalen Green matchups uh, definitely very interesting. Um, you know, Green's been scoring at a high clip lately. Yep. Um, Sangoon against Randall's, a, you know, a nice, interesting matchup there. Sangoon is coming off a 24. In their last game, uh, you know, the, the Rockets lost to the Grizzlies, but um, Sangoon had 25, 8, and 4. Um, Jalen Green had 32. Kenyon Martin had 31 and 6. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. had a triple double, 14, 10, and 10. So um, yep. these are talented players. They don't do, they, they, they don't, they don't, 
they don't put a ton of effort on the onto the defensive side of the floor. So the Knicks should be able to have their way offensively. Um, but still, you know, again, and and we've talked about this is what they should have done with Orlando. This is what they should have done with the um, the teams that aren't on their same level in terms of depth from top to bottom and and, and you know two way uh, capabilities and. Um, come out, make a message, and, and don't give this team, this young upstart team, uh, don't let them think they have a chance to to win in the Garden. Again, this is Houston, the only yeah. time they're going to come to the Garden all year. Those kids will get up for it, even though it's the second night of a back-to-back. Um, so come out, make a, you know, right from the jump, um, you know, send a strong message. The Knicks in the last five, each of their last five games, they've fallen, they, even in the, including the two wins, they've had a double-digit deficit. Um, in each of those last five games. And that's something that, you know, again, it's just, I think it is it part, partly to do with the, the, the overexertion to get to this point in the season. I think they're running out of gas a little bit. And the other part is, you know, so, a little bit of a mentality, um, maybe reading some of the headlines and the news clipping saying that they're one of the best teams in the East and that they can make yeah. a really, you know, strong run and, and they can just roll the ball out there. And they, you know, again, the reason why the Knicks established themselves as one of the better teams in the conference is because they played so hard every possession um, for the prior three months. Yeah. And you talk about the play of uh, Green last five games 32 against Memphis, 20 against the Warriors. 40 against New Orleans and then 25 against New Orleans. So um, he's averaging almost 24 points a game during the month of March. Uh, he seems to me kind of trending in the right direction after kind of getting to a little bit of a slow start and some questions about whether or not, you know, that, that pick of green over, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mobley was maybe a, a, a poor pick. Green starting to play a lot better. So if Jalen Brunson does come back in this game, I think um, this provides an interesting matchup because, you really can't hide them against either guard. I mean, you got Green at one end, and then you got Porter on the on the other guard spot. So, you know, typically you like to put Grimes on the, on the as a point of attack defender, which is of course the right thing to do considering how much better defender he is than than um, than than Brunson is. And Brunson can kind of hide on the guy who's kind of there to space the floor. There really isn't that guy for him to do that against on this team. You know, you can't even slide him down to the three because now you got Kenyon Martin, who's a super athlete and um and definitely a, a live guy on the glass so that so uh, brunson if he comes back he's gonna be he, he's gotta be ready you know i know the last time he played prior to the heat game he mentioned how his defense was poor which he was right about like he can't have a poor defensive performance against these guards now the good news for the knicks is you know of course this is a you know 18 win team so it's not like you're playing it's a, a team with so much talent this is a team that does not really have much of a bench Tari Eason is one of my favorite rookies in this uh, rookie class. He's had a good year, but not much else coming behind him. A lot of young guys, a lot of guys uh, still trying to figure it out. Garuba, Dacian Nix, Josh Christopher. So Nick's bench also has to really kind of um, maybe kind of dominate this game. Like that may be what this game is won. Uh, I thought the Knicks bench in the last game, quite frankly, didn't play well against the Magic. And then start that start that the start of that fourth quarter defensively was atrocious. Um, and it was defense, but it also was how they were meandering on offense as well. Uh, they got to come out with a lot more focus on this one. But uh, I think this is a game the Knicks will win. I think they'll find a way to kind of right the ship. But um, I do feel like if, you know, it's coming one of those things that when Brunson doesn't play, then all bets are off. Like, like that's really what this team is like now, where it, if he's not playing, you cannot bet anything uh, in terms of the Knicks being able to, to survive these games. There are times where they play great. We've seen them have big wins without Brunson. But then we saw games like we saw against Orlando. So definitely a, a game they got to get here. Yeah, I, I had a I will admit I had a bad feeling against the Miami um, and, and also I did, Orlando. I did too. I, 
I thought that was a I thought that was a bad matchup timing, all that good stuff. I think the Knicks come out strong um, and and put a hurting on 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 the Rockets and then you know register a comfortable double digit victory. Knicks Rockets Monday at the Garden. Uh, Knicks got to get this one, so let's hope they do. Seven thirty is the start for that game. So uh, we'll close the show here as the Knicks, the NBA, and the city of New York is remembering the life and legacy of Willis Reed. The Knicks legend passed away Tuesday morning due to congestive heart failure. Reed captained the Knicks to their only two championships in franchise history. He produced one of the most inspirational moments in the history of sports when he came out of the tunnel at Madison Square Garden to take the court for Game 7 of the 1970 NBA Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers after tearing his thigh muscle in Game 5. Uh, Reed was the league MVP in 1970. He won two finals MVPs in 1970 and 73. He's a five time, seven-time All-Star, All-Star Game MVP, and member of the 50th, 70th, and 75th anniversary teams, also a Knicks Basketball Hall of Famer. Knicks released a statement saying, the Knicks organization is deeply saddened to announce the passing of our beloved captain, Willis Reed. As we mourn, we will always strive to uphold the standards he left behind unmatched leadership sacrifice and work ethic that personified him as a champion among champions he is uh, his he his is a legacy that will live forever we ask everyone to please respect the family's privacy during this difficult time nick's wearing a black ribbon on the uniforms last uh two games i, I heard uh, during the miami game breen said that there will be a patch eventually put onto the jersey to honor reed so um Obviously, sad news. We we learned about this, like I said, right after we finished recording the podcast on Tuesday. So I asked you, Tommy, here, what will you remember most about Willis Reed? Yeah, I think, um, and just you know, hearing everybody talk about him, and Clyde was great on the broadcast Wednesday night. Um, I think the incredibly as good of a player he was, he was just as good a person, um, which, which is pretty remarkable. Um, you know, everything he did for the community, um, for the Knicks family and the franchise in general, um, just just a, a ton of you can't you can't say enough kind things about him, um, both on and off the floor, which I thought was was really incredible. Yeah, and I think to me, honestly, when I think of him, well, obviously you think about 1970 and coming out of the tunnel and. Um, and 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 find a way to get out there and give the Knicks 27 minutes with a torn thigh muscle guard Will Chamberlain who just scored you know 40 plus points in Game Six and the Knicks being you know despondent and feeling like they had no chance unless Will Reed took the court and how that inspiration uh, inspired them to that win that night and again inspired a lot of basketball fans around the world who, who saw the performance of the league MVP in that moment and thought wow anything is possible if he can go out there and do that for the city, get them their first championship. So that comes to mind. I also, like, I feel like when we think about Willis Reed's um, legacy as a player, he's so grossly underrated. It's kind of crazy. I mean, uh, I, I I mentioned uh, when I recorded the obit uh, earlier this week, like, he hit, like, as far as a guy to win league MVP, all-star game MVP, and finals MVP, only Jordan, Shaq, and Willis Reed have ever done that in the NBA. Um, again, talking about a guy who in the same season. Yeah, in the same season, right? In the same season. Um, you know, uh Jordan doing it, uh, uh I believe what, it was like 90, I think it might be 97. I, I forgot what year. Shaq doing it in 2000. Um, but like you 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 have uh to come into the league immediately an all-star, captain by year three, uh seven times straight all-star coming into the league. 
you lead your team to, to three championships. And I thought one of the things Clyde mentioned as well, that I think maybe is part of the reason why he's underrated and throughout his career, as I think it, the injuries kind of derailed his career. Like, you know, he had, um, you know, about seven really, you know, healthy years. And, you know, he had a lot of injuries. He was battling the injuries and he only played 11 games in 72, only played 19 and 74 um, minutes decreased in 73, but still was able to make enough of an impact where he was the finals MVP. I kind of feel like he's underrated because he just, he, his, his longevity, he didn't have as much as maybe some other guys who were able to match, you know, career numbers that, that, you know, the, the all-time scoring list and things like that. He wasn't able to match those numbers, but I mean, to come in and have the impact he had, not just as a scorer, but also on the glass and just as a, the ultimate leader, ultimate competitor, ultimate teammate. Like this was a guy who didn't care whether or not he scored 40 points, which he could do on any given night, or he scored five points on any given night. It was about what it took for the team to win and how that um, kind of really ushered in an era of Nick great basketball that they had been missing for so long. Uh, it's, it's 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 really sad to, 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 of course, lose Willis when you hear about how uh, much of a gentle giant he kind of was off the court. But um, but uh, but uh, an unbelievable basketball player. It, here's my my takeaway this week, and, and just kind of pouring over basketball reference box scores, and you know, mm-hmm. to to really try to appreciate again, Willis came before my time to try to appreciate the greatness, the the, the greatness of this man as a basketball player. The uh, everyone, and we've seen it a million times this week, um, and we'll see it a million more, thankfully. Um, March eighth, nineteen May eighth, nineteen seventy, Willis limps out of the tunnel. Yeah. To me, the fact, the gauntlet the Knicks had to get through to, to get to that point, to get to Game 7 of the 1970 NBA Finals is amazing. And Will, what Willis did to get them there, obviously he hit the two jumpers and, and you know, and, and dragged his leg around for, for 27 minutes um, in that Game 7. And we know about uh, Clyde having arguably the greatest single game performance in the history of the franchise in Game 7. Yeah. But think about what, Willis Reed had to do to get the Knicks to that position. Round one of the 1970 postseason, they played the Baltimore Bullets. Yeah. Earl, Pearl Monroe and Wes Unseld, who was the league's reigning MVP um, yeah. that season. Series goes seven games. Willis averages 21.3 points, 17.3 rebounds, while holding Unseld, again, the league's reigning MVP to just 10.4 points per game on 41% shooting. In game five of that first round series at the Garden, series tied 2-2. Knicks have never won a championship in the franchise. Think about the pressure. Game five, first round series at the Garden, Reed goes for 36 points and 36 rebounds. In game seven, Willis limits Wes Unseld to two points on one of eight shooting. Knicks advance, get past Pearl and Unseld, and next round, they got to play uh, some guy named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Knicks beat the Bucks in five games. Willis averages 27.8 points on 54% shooting, 12.2 rebounds, three assists. They got through Unseld. Willis carried him by Unseld, carried him past Kareem. Now you got the Lakers. Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Will Chamberlain. Seemingly an unbeatable trio. Game one, Reed erupts for 37 points, 16 rebounds, five assists. 28, 15, and 5 in game two. Go mm-hmm. back to LA. Crucial game three. Um, you know the statistic, the team that wins game three, yada, yada, yada. In LA, yeah. um, uh, Reed goes for uh, 38, 38 points, yeah. 17 rebounds, three assists. Knicks get the 2 1 edge. Game five, 
tours his the quad muscle tears off the bone in his knee um and then he limps out in game seven as we know but again um you know it's the to, to the credit to just how well he played during that season they will I, I promise you there will never be another mvp in nba finals history that hasn't been since there won't be another one for the for as long as we're alive that scores a total of four points in the final two games of the series and wins finals mvp um, that's what Willis did that year yeah and then one of the things about willis's legacy that i think i'm glad has been kind of mentioned because i honestly for kind of forgot about it but like him as an executive i mean yeah. he was an executive for the, the, the at that time the New Jersey Nets for a really long time, and he was kind of the head along with Rod Thorne and how they put together a almost championship nucleus. Like yep. he was in the front office when they got Jason yep. Kidd, they drafted Richard Jefferson, brought in Kenyon Martin. Well, Kenyon Martin was already there, but like like he he came in right around that same time, and he was a senior vice president of basketball operations during that time, and that those Nets teams still the best Net teams. Ever, you know, the exception of the ABA era, and that's of course with Dr. J. But Willis Reed um, excelled as an executive in the league, excelled as um, at a, a, at a time when, at a time when black men were not promoted and hired up to that, you know, he so he broke some barriers on the way up to that, right? Position. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, he coached a little bit for the Knicks as well. Uh, he coached in 78, so and he coached into the playoffs. They even won around as he was head coach in 1978. So, I mean, Willis Reed, uh, you know, no, not you really. You can't say much negative about his career, obviously, but you can't say enough about just like what he was able to do uh, a true, uh, amazing basketball life. Um, when we think about the greatest Knicks ever, do you, do you have Willis Reed there at number one here? Uh, I, it would be so, I would love to say I, I got Reed one, but I, I've had Patrick number one for a while. Um, we'll spend the wow, whole Patrick, we'll, okay, we'll spend the whole show talking about it, and I'll give you my reason. <laughs> Um, a lot of it has to do with the talent surrounding both Reed and or uh, you could make a okay. very strong case for Clyde, a very strong case for Reed. Yeah. But I think the two of them playing together and alongside other three Hall of Famers had a lot to do with the, their success. So I don't want to hope that success against Patrick um, when he wasn't surrounded by that talent. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, mark down the calendar. <laughs> we'll, we'll dedicate a, a whole half an hour conversation. To that. Yeah, we had, yeah, we have plenty of offseason pod to do. That will definitely yeah. be an offseason pod because I was surprised to hear that. I, I think I have. Willis, I tell you what, I've always had him too behind Clyde, and it's sad I don't want his death to make him think. But his death really did make me rethink things when I started looking back at his career and kind of thinking what he did and yeah. how much Clyde talked about how yes. like Willis really inspired him and made him a better player, made him a better. It kind of makes me kind of rethink, like, oh man, like maybe I got this list wrong. And I, I honestly, I think if you ask Clyde, he'd tell you that Willis is number one. He has, so, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I've and, had and, Clyde and, one. And, and but... to his credit, um, I, I rewatched the Patrick Ewing retirement ceremony. Willis is there and says, you are the greatest Nick of all time, hands down. Just the, wow. again, a further example of his humbleness and, you know, that, that just the, the person he was. That is, that is who Willis Reed, it was, that's who his, it is in terms of how his legacy will, will live on. And like I tweeted when I learned about his passing to me, Willis Reed is the New York Knicks. Like they're just anything you want to think about in terms of uh, what that embodies, what that means when it comes to uh, representing the city, uh, playing hard every night, giving it your all no matter what, fighting through injury, being unselfish, um, like all those qualities, being clutch, all those qualities you think about when it comes to what it means to be a New York Nick, what it means to be a New Yorker, like Willis Reed embodied all of that. So 
Um, again, the city all mourns for his death, but we celebrate his life and his legacy, and we were grateful to have Willis come into our lives as Knicks fans. But I think that's a good place to leave it on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey WA fan original, a podcast you can get wherever you get your episodes of podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. You can get us on the uh, make sure you hit the auto download feature on your streaming service so you get these episodes every time we drop. We'll be back next week with another three episode foray of Orange and Blue Bloods. Uh, make sure you check us out on YouTube as well. You can get the video version, you can catch us on Odyssey Sports, their channel, or you can catch us on the WFN channel as well. Tommy, let's keep it where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. We'll be back next week. Tommy, I'm EJ. Have a good weekend. Peace.